I love optical illusions. I don't know about you. Because of this fun little reminder that no matter how smart we think we are, if you know what to do, you can make this thing glitch more than Cyberpunk 2077. With one example recently going viral called the Schroeder Staircase, though it was actually first published back in 1865. Also hope it was a man that did it. Because if a woman did this, they are a thousand percent calling her a witch and killing her. So to get the full effect, if you're watching on a portable device right now, lock the orientation so if you move your phone, it doesn't change. And all it is is, hey, look, it's a staircase. Let it settle in for one second. Now flip your phone. Now blink. Now flip it back to how you had it. Now blink again. Or for those too lazy to participate, I could flip the image for you and somehow it looks the same. Also, if you're watching on a laptop or a desktop, you can get the same effect doing this. And if you do it enough times, you don't even need to blink anymore. It just feels like a superpower. But that brain breaker aside, sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button and let's just keep this thing going with a story that, while it is not an optical illusion, is something that hurts my brain. And that's this news around Pastor John Raymond. He's the founder and headmaster of a Louisiana Christian school. And the way this story starts is on March 17th to March 18th, Raymond says there's a seventh grade teacher. She's distraught. She's in tears. She's ready to resign all over how disruptive five particular students have been. Supposedly, they just won't stop talking. So, and understand from here, there are kind of two versions of events, uh, what the leader of this religious group is saying and the police. So he gets them all in his office, if you believe the police, or in the hallway, if you believe Raymond, with Raymond in his own words saying, I pulled out a roll of clear scotch packing tape and said, I'm going to give you a choice. You can either go downstairs and call your parents and you can wait in the lobby to be suspended, or you can get tape on your mouth and learn how to be quiet during class. With all the children deciding, oh yeah, I don't want to get in trouble with my parents and get suspended, give us, give us the tape. So Raymond puts the tape over their mouth as he sends them back to class like they're just horror movie kidnapping victims. Though police say, oh, he didn't do like a little, hey, here you go, buddy. Legend that Raymond actually wrapped the tape around their heads. With the police also claiming this pastor and headmaster just left them like this for 45 minutes, with the tape not getting removed until another administrator got uncomfortable. Though as is often the case in this story, Raymond has a different version of events, claiming he went to the principal's office and informed her on what happened. With her responding, you put tape over their mouths. Him saying he did, she responds, I'm not very comfortable with that. So he's like, okay, just 10 minutes of this then. She goes, yeah, uh, how about two minutes? And then according to Raymond, the two of them gently removed the kid's tape a couple minutes later with no harm done. Though the police say that the application of the tape was so ridiculous it required scissors and the students reportedly had trouble breathing and there was a painful removal process. But also let's understand, regardless of the details here, he is admitting I taped these children's mouths shut. Even suggesting in a statement it was meant to build character. So after the parents or three of the boys indicated they wanted to press charges, the police launched an investigation, arrested Raymond and slapped him with three counts of cruelty to juveniles. And as far as Raymond goes, he is standing by his action. With him in his statement this week, claiming that the two sets of parents who aren't pressing charges are completely supportive of the discipline that took place. And even saying that one has since applied to work at our school and is now on staff. Yeah, cause two out of five ain't bad when you put your hands on other people's children. And if anything, Raymond, you are lucky those three are only pressing charges. Or because in this life, I'm gonna do my damnedest to make sure my boys are not assholes. That they treat their teachers with respect, but if you put your hands on my children, I'm gonna put a fucking bat into your face. And I don't care who hears me say it, Raymond. And then let's talk about the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial that's been going on for the past couple of days. With the biggest news coming out so far being that Heard is accusing Johnny Depp of sexually assaulting her, with her lawyer saying in court yesterday. She loved the side of Johnny that we see in the movies, the charismatic one, the charming one, the generous one. That's the man she fell in love with. But sadly, the monster came in the way. Um, and that monster would come out when he was drinking and, and when he would take the drugs. Some pretty horrendous things happened to her. He rips off her nightgown. He has her jammed up against a, a bar. He has hurled bottles and bottles at her. He has dragged her across the floor on the broken bottles and the liquor. He has punched her. He has kicked her. He tells her he's going to kill her. He hates her. He's pounding at her, pounding her. And then he penetrates her with a liquor bottle. 
That's the Johnny Depp that you're going to hear about in this case. And many are seeing this as a major new accusation because while Heard has accused Depp of domestic abuse and what was referred to as sexual violence numerous times, she had never specifically said he sexually assaulted her. However, with this, you had Depp's lawyer pushing back against that claim. Ms. Heard had never made that accusation against Mr. Depp. It was never part of her allegations of abuse. So what changed? What changed between 2016 and 2018? We submit to you, and the evidence will show, when she realized the seriousness of what she had alleged, she panicked and she alleged sexual assault. Right, all of this is part of the massive lawsuit, counter lawsuit trial that's now underway just outside of DC. Though notably, the alleged assaults and abuse are really only an indirect part of this whole trial. Right, if you don't remember, Depp first filed a lawsuit against Heard after she published a Washington Post op-ed in which she alluded to Depp's alleged domestic abuse against her, though she never technically used his name in that. But still, you had Depp suing her for $50 million, claiming Heard had concocted her allegations as a hoax to ruin his career. And in turn, Heard then filed a $100 million counterclaim. And so in court, we saw Depp's legal team continuing to argue that Heard ruined his reputation as he's never faced allegations of this nature before. No one had ever, in five decades, no one had ever accused Johnny Depp of being abusive of any kind with a woman. That's why it was such a jolt. No one had even suggested ever that he was capable of something like this. And consistent with Depp's claims in the past, his legal team argued that it was actually Heard that was the perpetrator of abuse, and arguing that she was twisting the narrative to aid her image. Ms. Heard would go to great lengths and even resort to physical violence to stop Mr. Depp from leaving her. But once Mr. Depp did leave, Ms. Heard tried to avoid public humiliation and present herself as a noble survivor and representative of the Me Too movement. You also had Heard's team arguing that Depp had an agenda of his own here, saying that he filed his lawsuit against Heard and not the Washington Post for specific reasons. He could have sued the Washington Post. They published the article, but he didn't. And he chose to bring Amber to court here in Virginia, where she has no ties, has never lived, he's never lived, where they never spent any time, because he wanted to make her life hard. He wanted to ruin her life. He wanted to destroy her. There's also been more happening today with Depp's friend Isaac Baruch, for example, taking the stand. At one point saying gracious things about her, that she was always respectful to him, but also saying that he never saw Depp hit her. Have I ever seen him be violent to her uh, with uh, physicality? No. Did you ever never. see him hit her? Never. Also saying he never saw a bruise on Amber and that he was beyond shocked by the photo of it that many have seen online. Surprise is not the word. It's like, what the hell is this? What's going on? And when asked if he was angry at her, he said he wasn't so much as mad as he was tired. So many people are, have been affected by this malicious lie that she started and she created and it's gone out the door and around the world. His family has been completely wrecked by all of this stuff and it's not it's 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 not uh it's not fair it's not right what ha what she did and what happened? Also, while Isaac was on the stand, you had Heard's team questioning him about texts Johnny had allegedly sent about Amber, where he said he hoped her rotting corpse is decomposing in the fucking trunk of a Honda Civic, with Isaac confirming those texts to be real. And obviously, as this goes on, we're gonna hear from a lot more people with different relationships to this case, and we'll have to see what they say and where things go from here. But for now, that's where we are, and of course, I'll pass the question off to you, 
What are your thoughts so far? Well, from that, I want to take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Stamps.com slash Phil. Whether you're a small office sending out invoices, an online seller shipping orders, or even a giant warehouse sending out thousands of packages today, Stamps.com is perfect for any size business. We're all busy enough as it is, and personally, I love how convenient and cost-effective this is for me and my business. I can even get all mailing and shipping done without even leaving my house. Because for more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over a million businesses. You can print official U.S. postage from your computer 24-7, no special supplies or equipment needed. And with Stamps.com slash Phil, you get exclusive discounts on post office rates like 40% off USPS and 76% off UPS rates. Stamps.com saves me time and money, freeing me up to produce the show, work on the new studio, and create new designs for the next beautiful bastard drop. So yeah, save time, save money, head on over to Stamps.com slash Phil, and you'll get a four-week trial, free postage, and a scale. There's no risk, no long-term commitments, no contracts, and never go to the post office again. It's Stamps.com slash Phil. And then, let's talk about the subway shooting that happened in New York yesterday, because we've gotten a lot of updates. Whereas so starting off, we got the Massive news this afternoon that after a nearly 30-hour manhunt, the suspect behind the shooting was finally caught and arrested by law enforcement, with the person in question being a 62-year-old black man who was addressed in Milwaukee and Philadelphia. Police had previously flagged him as a person of interest yesterday, but this morning, New York City Mayor Eric Adams announced that he was upgraded to a suspect. And during a press conference announcing his arrest this afternoon, law enforcement officials said that the man will be charged for committing a terrorist act on mass transit, meaning if he is convicted, he will face life in prison. The officials also noted that he has a very long history of run-ins with the law, this including nine prior arrests in New York and three in New Jersey. Though, notably, they also said reports that he had previously been investigated by the FBI were false. And as far as why it took so long to identify this man, authorities previously said that their investigation was hindered by issues with security cameras. With Adams saying yesterday a malfunction in at least one camera at the site of the shooting resulted in its failure to record the attack. Luckily, other evidence at the scene led them to the suspect. With police telling reporters in the press this afternoon that they have videos of him entering the King's Highway station, where they believe he took the train to 36th Street, adding that the station is just three blocks away from where he parked a U-Haul truck that he rented and the key to the truck was found at the scene of the shooting. They also found other items tying him to the crime, including a credit card with his name, spent shell casing, smoke bombs, and most notably, the handgun used in the shooting, which they confirmed had been purchased by the suspect in Ohio. Now, as far as his motive, law enforcement said that this is still under investigation, as are dozens of disturbing, bigoted YouTube videos he posted where he goes on these extended rants expressing very controversial, disgusting views and violence. Right, with those videos having surfaced after he was named as a person of interest, though YouTube has since removed his account. And according to reports, the suspect's videos go back as far as 2016, including some posts where he uses slurs, insults women, and makes racist comments. This, including against black people, specifically blaming black women for violence among black people. In several videos, he discusses death, another one where he talks about a race war and the desire to exterminate specific people. In another, he argues that there need to be more mass shootings, as well as a recent video from Monday where he said that he experienced the desire to kill people but said he didn't want to go to jail. In many of his rants, yes, they focus on current events, but there's a big race angle to a lot of it. There's one, for example, where he's talking about Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, and he expresses how disappointed and seemingly is like crying that she's married to a white man. Another video focused on the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which he said pointed as evidence that white people are genocidal. And then separately, but maybe significant, we also saw him post content criticizing Mayor Adams' recent policies on public safety and homeless outreach on subways, seeming to imply that he himself experienced homelessness and mental health crises. But ultimately, we'll have to wait and see what comes from the investigation and charges. You know, ultimately where I want to end this story is, is by focusing on a hero. Or when we talk about mass shooters who've already been arrested or they've been killed, we don't, we don't show their face or name, because a lot of these monsters are looking just for that infamy. And so the person I want to feature is this 21-year-old camera installer by the name of Zach, who multiple outlets are now reporting is actually the person who first found the shooter. Zach telling reporters that he saw the man this afternoon while installing security cameras in the East Village and immediately called the cops and adding, Thank God we got you. Thank you very much. So that's where we want to end this story. Zach, there is no question about it. You are our BAMF.
of the day. Men in, oh my God, that's creepy news. Apparently there are a number of men who decided I'm not gonna find my soulmate or hook up through Tinder or Bumble. Instead, I'm gonna jump head first into the refugee housing program. Yes, really, and the focal point today is on the UK. Right, because back on March 14th, the government launched its Homes for Ukraine website with 100,000 people signing up to host a refugee in the first day alone. With each household taking in a refugee being offered 350 pounds a month tax-free. Well, we have people like Bojo celebrating this on Twitter, calling it fantastic and thanking everyone involved. Very quickly, we saw criticisms from groups like Positive Action and Housing, a charity helping refugees find sponsors, calling the program a gimmick, saying that it gives false hope when none of those it's supporting had gotten visas after two weeks, adding that many refugees were having to turn to social media for sponsors where they could fall prey to human traffickers. Another charity called Refugee Action, calling the program potentially a Tinder for sex traffickers, with stories from refugees popping up, like one woman saying I was approached by one older guy from London who said I would have to share a bedroom with him, as well as the instance of a Times reporter posing as a Ukrainian woman this week, saying that within minutes of posting on the largest Facebook group for refugees, she was inundated with inappropriate messages. With things like one man telling her, I'm ready to help you and maybe you can help me also. And apparently it's now gotten to the point where the United Nations Refugee Agency is calling on the UK government to please stop pairing single men with single women and implement safeguards to prevent predatory behavior. With a spokesperson saying, matching done without the appropriate oversight may lead to increasing the risk women may face in addition to the trauma of displacement, family separation, and violence already experienced. But ultimately for now, we're gonna have to wait to see what happens. And then let's talk about the war in Ukraine, which does not look like it's going to end anytime soon, especially as Vladimir Putin said that negotiations have hit a dead end. However, it does seem that he's narrowed down his invasion goals to just securing the Donbass breakaway republics. Right in a speech saying, our goal is to help the people who live in the Donbass who feel their unbreakable bond with Russia, which is a huge change when you compare that to just a month ago. He was saying that Ukraine's leaders were risking Ukrainian statehood by fighting the Russians, saying Ukraine was run by Nazis and this was about the denazification of Ukraine. But this change also isn't surprising because the war has not been going very well for him. He even recently replaced the general in charge of the war, something which UK intelligence says is a clear sign of how poorly things are going. But this appointment could also be a very bad sign for things to come, because this general, Alexander Vornikov, is infamous for his actions in Syria. And there are real fears that we'll see more and more war crimes in this region, especially after Putin called the ones in Bucha fake. But the rhetoric he's using, especially in places that don't have censorship, are only going to go so far because the evidence just keeps mounting up. Right beyond the bodies of civilians all over the formerly occupied territories, there's also been intercepted radio discussion between Russian soldiers talking about killing civilians. On top of that, France has sent a team of forensic experts to help investigate these crimes. And with the claims from Ukrainian soldiers that Russia is using chemical weapons against the Ukrainian soldiers holding out at the Azovstal industrial district of Mariupol. It's looking like Ukrainian and French investigators are gonna have a lot more work ahead of them. However, I do wanna stress that the claims about the chemical attacks are still unsubstantiated. Right? Obviously getting evidence in the middle of a war zone is difficult, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. Right? And it's something that Zelensky has warned could happen. And if it's true, it could make Russia's claim today that 1,000 Ukrainian soldiers in the area have surrendered a little more believable, although they may have surrendered for other reasons as well. Right? The industrial district there has been the last holdout for Ukrainian forces, and it's reported that they're largely out of ammo. You know, with the widespread targeting and killing of civilians, forced deportations, and alleged chemical weapons attacks, it's not surprising why President Joe Biden yesterday called this a genocide. Your family budget, your ability to fill up your tank, none of it should hinge on whether a dictator declares war and commits genocide and a half a world away. Which is a pretty big deal and marks the first time that the U.S. has officially done so in this conflict. Now, reportedly his staff was not expecting this off-the-cuff remark, but Biden stood by it, telling reporters, I call this genocide because it's become clearer and clearer that food is just trying to wipe out the idea of However, he did give himself a little wiggle room by saying, we'll let the lawyers decide internationally whether or not it qualifies, but it sure seems that way to me. Well, you had other world leaders like French President Macron saying, you know, I don't, I don't want to call this a genocide yet. Biden's statement was praised by President Zelensky, who tweeted out true words of a true leader, POTUS. Calling things by their name is essential to stand up to evil. We are grateful for U.S. assistance provided so far, and we urgently need more heavy weapons to prevent further Russian atrocities. But finally today, I want to end on one of the biggest ironies of this whole situation. Right, Russia in 
initiated this bloody and pointless war against Ukraine to at least in part prevent it from joining NATO and making the alliance bigger. Well now, Finland and Sweden announced today that due to Russia's aggression, they would be actually looking into joining NATO themselves with public opinion in both countries favoring it. And this is huge because NATO's actually been trying to do this for decades. And now it turns out that NATO's best recruitment tool has been Russia's efforts to keep one country out of the alliance. But that's ultimately where that story and today's show ends. As always, thank you for watching. I love yo faces. If you wanna watch some more news, click or tap right there and I'll see you tomorrow.